0: Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Let me go through this real quickly here. I'm going to go through all of Romans 13 today, so get ready. And uh, hopefully get some light on some of the things that are said here. Now look at this, verse 1. It says, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. So how many of you speed? I guess it's not confession time today, is it? (laughs) Okay, we'll bring judgment on themselves. We won't talk about that. But verse 3, For rulers rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but those who do wrong... Do you want to feel, be, want to be free from fear of one who is in authority? Then do what is right and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoers. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why we pay taxes. Everybody underlined that, right? You got that highlighted and I bet you don't. But anyway, this is also why we pay taxes for the authorities, our God's servant, who gives their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe them taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect, and if honor, then honor. Um... Let me, let me explain that because I, th- I feel like that we don't really get that too well. Because I've heard it said you've got to submit to governing authorities and the same person that keeps on telling me that is speeding in a 55-mile-an-hour in a f- zone going 70. And so I'm, are we hypocritical when we think this? And I think we are in a lot of ways that, that we, we, we don't do this right. In fact, I'm going to be honest with you. All the disciples broke the law. Every one of the disciples broke the law because they preached the gospel of Jesus. They were all—all all of them were either punished, in prison, killed, or exiled, because of preaching the gospel. So Peter and Paul, Paul who wrote Romans, Romans, and Peter who wrote First Peter and Second Peter and Third First Second Peter, about this about submitting to governing authorities, both broke the law. In fact, right after. They broke the law in this way. When a governor was chasing Paul outside of that city, taking him outside the city, he was, he, he, had, he was chasing him. He broke the law and he wrote this right after this. So what is he meaning? Is he hypocritical on saying, uh, you know, do as I say but not as I do? Or is there something different that we really need to look at it? Because all of them did this. And so the key to understanding this, and the key is in the word subject or submit. So whatever version you're using, you're either saying subject or submit. And that word, Greek word, is hupotasso. And which means, and when it's translated, it's translated subject, submit, but it literally means this, to arrange stuff respectfully in order. So it's to arrange it in order, in an under orderly manner. So it's really a saying that back then the readers of this, this book that, that Paul wrote to the Roman Christians would understand that this was a social order, orderliness. So there was something that's in order. It's the same word that, that Paul uses in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 22 when he says husbands and wives submit to one another. Now let me, how many guys are married in here? Do you completely obey your spouse? If you're a husband, you'd be smart by raising your hand. But no, none of us do, right? So, so, but that's what it is. It's, it's, a, it's a submit, submitting in order. It's an order that, that, is, that they're talking about here. And here's the main point. Paul and Peter believed in authority. He believed in the governing authorities and that they're necessary for keeping the peace See, God's a god in order. He's not a god of anarchy or chaos. God's a god of order. But here's where we go wrong is that we we think it's word that a Greek word that means obey. Completely and blindly. And it doesn't mean that at all. In fact, there's another word that Paul and Peter used 21 times in the New Testament. And it's called hupokuno. And it's translated obey. Which literally means to conform or to follow a command. So Peter and Paul could have used this word here. But they didn't. They chose not to. It's used 21 other times in the Bible. In the New Testament. And it always means to obey to a hierarchy it means to obey the authority above you and it's used to when it's talking about slaves or masters or children and parents so here that's what they're not talking about that they're not talking about obeying blindly at all to submit in the new testament does not always mean to obey completely They are two separate issues. So Paul and Peter and the followers of Jesus deliberately disobeyed laws. But they were laws that were contrary to the word of God. So any law that was contrary to God's command or conflict with God's command, they they disobeyed. But this is what they did. And this is what Paul is talking about here. They submitted to the consequences of it. So they submit it to the authorities by accepting the legal consequences of their actions. you know throughout time we 've had people do this you know our, our own country was a part of this. they disobeyed the, the 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 English because of injustice and they signed the Declaration of independence many of many people are, have been throughout the ages have been willing to, to to disobey governments because of this many believers in fact it goes back to even to exodus when moses was a child was a baby and the pharaoh wanted the firstborn to be killed and what does moses mom do does he take him she taken the pharaoh no what does she do? She puts them in the baskets and put them down the river. She disobeyed the governing authority. The first civil disobedience in the New Testament were three wise men when, when they went to King Herod and, King, and told him about the Jesus, the King Jesus that was being born and that he wanted them to come and tell him where they found him. And they didn't do that. They left and didn't do that. That was punishable, punishable by death if they would have been caught. See, there's a time for disobedience. And as Christians, the law cannot be our ultimate guide of moral character in our lives. You know, slavery was lawful at one time in our country, and it was completely wrong. During the World War II, in Germany, Holocaust, the Holocaust was legal. And the church in Germany did not stand up against it. See, there's a time as believers when the government comes against the authority of God, we must rise up with a holy no and say, no, this is not right. Because we can't let the law dictate our ethics. God does. Amen? So when Paul and Peter broke the law and preached the gospel, they submitted to the legal consequences of that. They showed us a hair, and Paul shows us a way how to interpret Romans thirteen. If we break an unjust law to highlight it or to protest its injustice, we are should be willing to to suffer the punishment of it. You know, there's there's laws right now on the trying to get passed in in, in California where the, it, they're trying to pass where the Bible would be an illegal book unless it's changed the writing of it. They're going to try to do that. And trust me, that's going to come eventually in the United States. You know, I was, I was on with Youth with a Mission for three and a half years back in uh, 1999, 2000, and 2001. And um, we were over in Switzerland and doing a campaign. And one of the guys got up and preached. And they preached out of First Corinthians. And it has in there a list of sins, one of them being homosexuality. And the government of Switzerland sued our ministry because we got up and said that. See, listen, listen, this is not something new. And Unless God intervenes and there's a revival here in America, this is the way we're going. You can see it all over the place. And there's some things that we have to stand up for and we have to be able to preach the gospel. You know, you know in, in, in China, it is illegal to preach the gospel. It is illegal to have church. But does that stop the believers in China? No, it doesn't. They, they meet anyway. It's illegal to meet. In fact, the, there was sanctioned churches that were called government churches that now the government's even turning, tearing down in China. Why is that? Because they're persecuting. So what does the Christian do? Do they obey and don't preach the gospel? No, they're preaching the gospel. That's why there's about 300 million Christians in China right now. There's a revival going on. There's a revival going on in the 1040 window where where Christianity is illegal. Why? Because there's Christians rising up. And they're doing it. See, we do not follow a God of chaos. I'm not saying that you can just take the Bible and and believe whatever it's, you know, try to try to make it and make you say, well, I don't have to pay taxes. No, you can't do that. But it does. When it comes against the word of God, we have to stand up with a holy no and say, No, we are going to do what God calls us to do. Because we have a duty to God above and beyond the government. Our duty is to honor God. And that supersedes any obligations to everyone and everything, including our government. Now, God has ordained government. Don't get me wrong it 's not that we disrespect our governing authorities in, 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 in any other way we We do love and we pray for them, and they are agents of common grace, and God has given them a temporal uh, responsibility and it is temporal it won't last forever because one day the king of kings and the lord of lords are going to set his throne upon the earth and he is going to be the king and nobody else is going to be and that's why we understand that but they're they're here they're for a purpose for our common good for our defense for the, to protect the freedoms in each and every citizen governance roles are temporary and that's why we don't put our faith and our trust in our government we don't put our faith and trust in policy. We put our faith and trust in God. So, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're not a follower of government, right? Amen? Or a policy. You're a follower of Him. So Paul's saying here, there is, yeah, you need to respect them. You submit to them unless, until they come to the place where they come against the Word of God. Then you've got to stand up in the holy note. Now, we go on here, and I want, I, Paul's bring some balance here, because we don't do this out of hate. We don't do this to hurt anybody. We do this to just to rise up, and we and we rise up and do. We preach the gospel. We 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 speak his word. But then he goes in and he says something which will bring balance to this. Look at verse eight. He says, "Let no debt remain outstanding, except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law." The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, whatever other command that there may be, are summed up in this one command, love your neighbors, yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. And so Paul's saying here that, that there's, there's one thing about it, and it's love. See, love should rule our life. And so even when we're dealing with the government, we're going to deal with love. Love would be to pay your taxes, right? Okay, I'm not getting much amens on that one. We'll just move on, huh? <laughs> love does those things. I mean, we love people. We don't hurt. Let, let me tell you something. Yeah, I, I, what, what happened in New Zealand was not love. Well, Sean, they were Muslims. Yes, but God loves them. And that's not how you solve things. Jesus never did that. He never used violence to solve anything. Now, Peter tried that, right? He cut off someone's ear, right? I mean, I think he was aiming you know, for his chest, but he missed and cut off his ear. I don't know, but, but what did Jesus do? He healed him. See, it doesn't, he doesn't work by violence. Violence is not love, and violence is nowhere near to the power of love. Love works better. You know, Muslims are coming to Christ because of love, not because of violence. You know, Christianity has used violence, and there's been times in, in, our, in our history, Christian history, that we've used that. The Crusades was one of them, and it was used wrong. See, this is what gives, gives, gives us a boundary in how we do things, is that we, we should love. It's all about love. It's all about love. Love is one of the most powerful things that Christ released at His resurrection. Was love. This passage is telling us that we have the ability to love, and that nothing less than that is that. This is the radical force that Jesus Christ has turned loose on this world. Therefore, it's the power to radically change the world in His love. And if we get this, there's something great that can happen. That's what Paul was telling these Roman Christians. He implies that this has to start with you and I. If we are Christians, if we know Jesus, we have the power to love. And there's no doubt about that. If you have Jesus inside of you, you have the power to love. And that love is a, is, is a resurrection power. It is a power to change. It's a power to transform if we use the love of Christ. No matter how, how much you're tempted not to love, especially when you're driving down the road. On a two-lane road and there's a travel trailer right in head of you. It's time to love, right? And that's the whole issue. And here, this, therefore, Paul says, when you come around people, when you rub shoulders to people, when you come around them, you've got to remember this. You've got to remember that your first obligation to them is to Love. You owe, I owe, a debt to everyone to love them. Not to hate them. Not to get back at them. Not to tell them num- they're number one when they're not driving well. Right? It's to love them. You, every time you come to somebody, whether it's here out there. I don't care who they are. It's to love. You act in love. You show courtesy, kindness, patience, long-suffering, understanding. Whatever it takes. Whatever the scene demands. You're going to show love. It's the debt that you owe that person. And that's the first thing Paul says. Owe no man anything but the love. I wonder what, how things would change radically if we really get this. That we would start... Living on this basis that every day and every person that we meet, we would say to ourselves, I need to show some love to that person. No matter what happens, I have an obligation to pay that debt of love. How many guys ever owed somebody money before? You borrowed money from somebody, and every time you went saw that person, you remembered it, didn't you? And that's why you, you saw them at Walmart. I owe that person money, I'm going to go this way. Right? That's what, in some ways, we, we should remember that, that I owe I owe a debt to you to love you. So when I see you in Walmart, plan on me running up to you in my scooter. <laughs> it goes 4.5 miles an hour, watch out. That's, what, that's the way we should be, that we, we, we owe people love. When I see people and I hang out with people, I owe them to love them. And that's what Paul is saying. I, I have a debt to them. We have an obligation. And then Paul says something else. The second thing he talks about. He's, he says that love goes beyond the law. I like that. Because this is what the law says real quickly. The law says don't injure your neighbor, basically. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't covet. Don't, don't, don't uh, commit adultery. Right? Don't steal their goat, you know. So, But the law says this. You have your property lines and you can do whatever you want in that property line but as long as it doesn't affect your neighbor. It doesn't hurt your neighbor. So don't injure your neighbor. But love goes a step further. Love says do good to your neighbor. Love says go after them. Love says step over the property line and mow their yard. See, you can't hurt your neighbor if you're loving them. You won't talk about, a bad about your neighbor or your friends or the people in the city if you're loving them if you love them you owe that debt of love you don't have to worry about keeping the ten commandments why? because you're going to keep them because of love what did, what did Jesus say? He was just asked, what's the greatest commandment in Matthew? what's the greatest commandment? love God, love others And the law of the prophets hangs on these two. You love God and you love others. You don't have to worry if you're going to keep the Ten Commandments because you're going to do that. You don't have to worry about it because you're paying a debt of love. You owe love to every man, woman, and child that you meet, that you see, that's all around you, whether you know their names or not. You owe a debt of love. I owe a debt of love. And Paul says, listen, listen. this is how you're going to live. This is how we live This is how we continue, is that we owe a debt of love to everyone around us. I don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry if you're going to do something wrong, because you're not, because you love people. You're not going to worry about it. If you borrow someone's tools, you're not going to keep them for over a month. Right? You're going to give them back. When you said you were going to give them back. That's what love does. It pays the debt of love every time you see them. Then Paul says in verse 11, he says, And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness. And put on the armor of light. And let's behave decently as in the daytime. Not in orgies or drunkenness or sexual immorality or debauchery. Not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of your sinful nature. Paul says at the beginning of this, he says, understand the time. He said that there is something in this age that we live in, if you understand it, You understand the time that we live that it will compel you, it will motivate you and drive you to love your neighbor. To love them, to share the gospel, to to share what's going on inside of you. And if you understand the time, you'll be able to do this. You know, Paul says it's time to wake up. The first thing he says, the hours come to wake up from your slumber. It's time to get up. Salvation is near and near. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. It's time to wake up and get going. It's time to wake up, church, right? It's time to wake up. It's time to get going. It's time to share the love of Jesus. It's time to be walking love to everyone else around. It's time to throw off some things, but it's time to love. I'm amazed how many how many times, how many opportunities in my life, my own life, that I have opportunities to love people, to share the love of Jesus, to help and serve people, that I I, I just say, well, I'll do it tomorrow. It's time to get, get rid of that and start doing it today. I'm surrounded with opportunities all the time. And it just amazes me sometimes. I you know, I love missions. I was a missionary for three years. I love missions. But how people can go overseas and try to love people over there, but won't love people in their next door. Maybe we should do a litmus test before you go on a mission trip. Are you loving your neighbor right now? If you're doing that, then you can go. Right? Don't look at me like that. It's yeah, so, so true. Let's, and so Paul's saying, wake up. It's time to wake up. It's time to love. Salvation is nearer than when we first believe. and Now, that could be talking about the second coming, but I I think he's talking about that he's going to die. I believe, I look around, we have young and old, and I don't know where you you put yourself at in that, but no matter where, no matter how young you are or how old you are, you're going to die. And compared to eternity, it's soon. It goes fast, doesn't it? Thank God for the believer, death is not the end, it's only the beginning, right? But you're going to die. You don't have a lot of time on this earth. Whether you live to 80 or 120, I don't know. It's not a long time. Take advantage of the time. Just like Paul says in Ephesians, that how we should walk, how we should live, circumspectly because the days are evil. So it's time to get up, and it's time to go, and it's time to go after what God has done. And Jesus said this. In John chapter 9, he says, I must work the works of my Father while it's still day. The night is coming when no man can work. And then he goes on, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. That's, and he gave that to you and I. You and I are the light of the world. We have a job to do. We'll talk about that more in a couple of weeks. But he's saying, listen, let's go on. Paul said this in Philippians 2.15, we believers are to be like lights, shining in the darkness of the night. The night is all around us. Let's go after it. And Christ is going to return. I don't know when, but, and I hope it's within my time, but if it's not, it's okay. I'm going to Him anyway, right? But it could be tomorrow. Let's take advantage of what the opportunities we have to love people. And the next thing he says about about love is that there are some things that you have to give up. He says there's said let's put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. There's some things you're going to have to get up. There's some things that are incompatible with love in your life. There's some things that have to go. If you're going to love like Jesus, there's something's going to have to go. The first thing is 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 this endless Pleasures that people live for. He said, give up orgies and drunkenness. And he goes on. And, and there's endless things that we go off on. And we think, we think it's this, this, all this, un, this sexual stuff. But it's, a lot of times it's, it's all this selfishness. Paul is saying, give this stuff up. He says, give up these things. Put them aside. Be, be children of the light. Give these things up. Because if you're going to live and love, these things are, are incompatible with love. You can't love others and do this. You can't love God and do this. So we have to face the fact. There's things. So don't devote yourself to this endless thing of selfishness, of good times. In fact, a lot, that's what, the problem we have in this Western society, it's all about me. Instead, it should be all about Jesus. It's all about my next vacation. It's all about, about and I'm not, I'm, I love vacations. I'm not saying that you can't go on vacation, but you can't be all about that. You've got to be all about Jesus and loving others, right? Loving God and loving others. So there's some things that you're wasting your life in. You're sitting down and watching TV all day. What, you guys hitting people next to you? I know, I, I've done it. We can't just lay around. We have opportunities, right? See, church in, the church in America has to change. I'm telling you what, we have to change. We have to come to a place where we realize that we are agents of love, that we have a responsibility to God and to others to be like Jesus. And it's not that you can't watch TV, it's not that you can't have fun and do some other things. But you've got to lay down some things and not become selfish. You've got to definitely lay down the sin, but you've got to lay down some of your selfishness and really go after people and to release this radical power of love. And then the next he says, don't live in strife and causing dissension and jealousy. It amazes me how even Christians do this. They like live to cause dissension and jealousy. They live for gossip. They live to talk about other people. Not just Christians. I know the world does it too. But we shouldn't. They, have, they know the world. And if they don't know Jesus, they know no better. We do. And so Paul says, let, let that go. And this is what has helped me over time. Because all of us are tempted to do this. And this is what Jesus said in Luke 11 33. And these are the words that keep on reminding me how I want to live, right? He says he that is with me gathers but he that against me scatters. Are you a gatherer or are you a scatterer? When you come around people what effect do you have on them? Is it to get them away and to break up things or you want to gather and to build see and that's what jesus said he says you're you're either you're if you're if you're gather you're with me if you're scatter you're against me what type of life are you doing that's why you can tell whether you're against jesus or for him And see, the thing about it is, you have the ability, if you're a believer in here, you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have the ability to love. And love completely. And so when when people come and and want to scatter, you're going to say, nope, because you're going to raise a holy no. No, that's not right. That's not love. And listen, I'm going to help you get out of it. So I'm going to give you this week, to go talk to the person you're talking about personally and tell them the issues you have with them. And if you don't, I'm going to ask you in a week if you have, because I'm calling them in a week. Amen? That will stop it right there, won't it? You know, I don't have anybody come gossip to me. And if you do, you know what I've done. Have you talked to them? I'll give you a week, right? See, that's the thing about it is. That's, love doesn't do these things. There's some things we have to let go. Now, I want to challenge you to pray and ask the Lord. Holy Spirit, show me what I need to let go so I can love. I need to let go of something so I can love. And then I love how Paul ends this. I love how he ends this. So he not only says there's a time to get going, there's a time to give up, give up stuff but there's a time to put on. He says, rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to satisfy the desires of your sinful nature. He he wants us to put on Jesus. Amen? He wants us to clothe ourselves. What does clothes do? It makes you presentable. So every day, you've got to put on Jesus. What would Jesus do? I've got, to, I've got to put him on in my life. I've got to clothe myself with Jesus every morning. I've got to make him a part of my life every day. That every, everywhere I go, I attend that Jesus is going to go with me. That he is with me everywhere. When people see Sean, I pray that they don't see me at all. They see Jesus Christ. And we need to believe God. And we need to stand up for that. And we need to have that. We need to put on Jesus. And I love it that Paul uses his full name. He doesn't just use Jesus. He says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what that word Lord means? That means he has all authority. So when you put on Jesus, you're actually putting on his authority. You're putting on his ability. You're putting on who he is, his power, his rule, his power to change, his power to alter things, his power to transform. See, people need that in you. That you put on Jesus, they need you to bring that power of transformation to them. That power of love. That I decide, I pull on Jesus. I'm putting on the power to operate and to change things in my life and in the lives of others. And when you put on that, there's something great that happens. And then Jesus, and then it's Christ. Christ is the anointed one. And his anointing, the Messiah. You put on the Messiah. It refers to Christ's work. Jesus says, in the last days you'll do greater works than I do. You are putting on His ability and His power every single day when I decide to put on Jesus. You have to do this because the Bible says that you, when you accepted Jesus Christ, you died. It's no longer you that lives. It's no longer I that lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. When I put on that, I, died to, I I'm, I'm no longer Sean. I don't want to be my sinful nature. I don't want to be that man. I want to be Jesus. That's my prayer every day, God, God. when I get up in the morning, God, let me shine. Let me shine with Jesus today. I put on Him. I want Him, and when and then I'm allowed. I'm able to 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 start to pay that obligation of love. I'm able to stand up with a holy no and have the have the uh, uh, the boldness to stand up when He tells me to stand up against things that are against Him. But I have the love of Christ that governs me, that that, that gives me boundaries and I can, I, can, I can owe no man nothing except the love. I can take off the junk that's not of Jesus because when you put on Jesus, you realize what is not of God. Because you have the standard, you have the model in your life that says, no, that's not right. That's not right. And every day I get better and better, hopefully, at putting on Jesus and more in Him. And I realize that, yeah, I don't need that anymore. I don't need that stuff to satisfy me anymore. I have Jesus. And when I put Him on, I give Him complete authority. I trust Him. I submit to Him. I obey Him. I study His Word. Because that's Jesus. I'm in His presence. Because that's where fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore are. And I just, I get to in a place of worship. And then I practice love throughout the day. Listen, you got to make that, you got to be intentional. you got to be intentional about putting on Jesus every day. That's what Paul says. If you want to do what he says in chapter 13, if you want to do what he says in all of Romans, put on Jesus. Clothe yourself with who he is. Amen? you guys ready for that come on give a Lord praise amen okay what? I love his word because his word brings life and I'm telling you something listen I know all of us in some way if you're a believer in Jesus you don't want to do some of the things you do some of the things you think about people you don't want to think about there's some things you just don't why do I do what I don't want to do right Listen, make that that change. To know that your life is a life to love people. And put on Jesus and you'll be able to do that. Put him on every single day. When you wake up in the morning, God, I, I give you this morning. I give you this day. I give you my life. I want to walk like Jesus. I want to talk like Jesus. I want to act like Jesus. I want to do what Jesus did. I want to love like he asked me to. Amen. We're going to owe no man nothing but love. Listen, there's going to be so much change in this. Listen, we have an opportunity every day, every week to share the love of Christ. I believe revival can happen in Blue Springs, Grain Valley, Oak Grove, Odessa Lee Summit, Independence, Kansas City, just because, just in this group right here in the group that's online, listening online right now, we can love the Lord and love others and change can happen. I'm telling you something. Watch it. Everyone around you can completely change because you decide to put on Christ and see something greater happen. Amen? So I'm going to pray for you right now.